This is the Positive Psychology Podcast, episode 21. Welcome to the Positive Psychology Podcast, bringing your earbuds the science of the good life. And now, your host, Kristen Trumpy. Hello and welcome and thanks for joining me today. Have you ever wondered what it actually means to be yourself? I'm sure you've heard this advice quite a lot. People always say, like, follow your dreams, be yourself. And and sometimes that sounds so easy, but what do we actually do so that we can truly be ourselves? Today's topic is authenticity. Unfortunately, in the middle of the interview, um, we Skype went down, so we had to resume um, and I had to call her using the phone. So in about, you will notice how the quality of the audio changes about midway. Sorry for that. But apart from that, let's get right into it. All right. So um, with me today is Dr. Maria Sirwa. She's a trained clinical psychologist who has over 20 years of experience in well-being and positive psychology. Maria is also a speaker and a consultant, and she's knowledgeable about a lot of things, but I invited her today to talk to us about authenticity. Welcome, and thanks so much for joining today. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm delighted to be here. So authenticity or being authentic is very popular nowadays. How would you define authenticity? Right. So at its basic um, foundational level, authenticity is about being true to oneself. We have come to understand that those of us who move toward greater and greater authenticity are both self-authoring, meaning they author themselves into their day in a way that's true, and self-measuring. They measure themselves on their own progress using their own standards of measurement. Um, so in general, it's really about being true to yourself. Okay. And for the skeptics out there, is there any you know, research or what are the benefits of authenticity? Okay. Well, let me start with the research first and then we can move to the benefits. Um, some direct work on authenticity was done a number of years ago by Michael Kernis and Brian Goldman. And I believe they're from the University of Georgia, and uh, perhaps the University of North Carolina also. But authenticity is a, is a tricky thing to study because even though at its basics it's about being true to oneself, it also is about being wise about how we are um, unable sometimes to be true to ourselves or how we make choices that are in conflict. And their research was really able to help us understand that a part of being authentic is being congruent. And what that means is when your thoughts and your feelings and what you value is in actual alignment with how you behave in the world. So, for example, if I value kindness and I believe that I'm a kind person and I um, want to elevate kindness in the world, I'll actually speak in a kind fashion, I'll look for it in the world, and I'll behave that way. And so my values and my behavior are are congruent with each other. But the research that uh, Curtis and Goldman did also pointed out to the reality that, you know, sometimes in life, it's really hard to be congruent. Um, 
you'll find yourself in a job situation where your supervisor, your employer is not the nicest person or the most trustworthy person in the world. And yet in order for you to keep your job, which also is a value of yours because you're providing for yourself or you're providing for your family, in order for you to keep your job, you have to be out of congruence. You have to pretend to like this particular supervisor or at least being willing to work with him or her. So authenticity is about being true to oneself, but it's also about being true to oneself with awareness, with mindful awareness of what is being asked of us and how we choose to be in our day or not as closely aligned to our values as possible. Um, so that's one body of research. Another body of research has emerged more recently through the work of Brene Brown. Brene is spelled B as in boy, R-E-N-E, and then Brown. She is a University of Houston uh, PhD social worker. She's achieved world fame recently through Oprah and TED Talks. Now her work is predominantly in the field of shame and a sense of worthlessness and the opposite of that which is a sense of worth and um, lack of shame and what she has uncovered is that those of us who feel worthy and experience uh, relatively little shame in life are also those of us who have a greater and greater understanding for how to be authentic in our lives so her work is not uh, directly research on authenticity but quite, um, quite related and quite supportive of the journey of authenticity. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, Brene Brown is great. I, yeah, absolutely. Um, we are often encouraged to be ourselves, but what is the first step on that journey? Well, the first step on the journey is really becoming aware. By that I mean being becoming mindful of how true we are or how not true we are. And often we know this first, Kristen, through our bodies. Um, we'll find ourselves saying something, and as soon as it's out of our mouths, we realize, oh, my God, that's just a lie. <laughs> so, for example, I often tell the story. In my early 20s, I, was, um, I had fallen in love with someone, and we were dating, and out of the blue one day, he asked me to marry him. And everything in my body, my heart, my stomach, my gut, Everything in my body froze and was saying no. And out of my mouth came a yes. And it was, um, it was a mistake. Um, we really should have just lived together. Where there was no real need for us to marry. And that moment of, of watching myself say yes, which was absolutely not true for me at the time, was excruciatingly painful and it actually that moment actually began a journey of me into therapy where I learned to become more and more mindful about when I was speaking authentically and when I wasn't when I was behaving true in true alignment to my values and when I wasn't so that's really the very first step and often in the courses I teach um, that'll be the first practice that I'll teach is is building a kind of mindfulness um, and that can be done through meditation or mindful journaling or prayer or um, any of the movement meditation practices like yoga, qigong, tai chi, they will all bring us to a place where we become better and better at seeing ourselves behave as we actually behave. Um, 
I wonder when I when I hear this, it makes a lot of sense, and I I can completely relate to what you're saying. I wonder about people who who find it difficult, you know, who are that. How shall I put this? They're so kind of in the flow is not the right word. Maybe like in a in a like really huge river of you know activity of everything that's going on like chaotically they they don't have um they've maybe lost touch with themselves and i would imagine that those are not the people who who you know maybe pray a lot or do journaling or am i wrong here or do you know what i mean yeah so if you have lost touch with yourself it's probably for a couple of different reasons one is might be that you are so over busy overworked Overplanned, over organized, over whatever, that you simply have, you've created a life or you've colluded with life in such a way that you simply have, don't take any time for solitude, for quiet. Um, the other way in which we become lost to ourselves is through great tragedy, through great pain or suffering. And in the aftershock of loss, we often are unable to um, think clearly and 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 quiet can even be excruciatingly painful if we if we are in a lot of pain so um those are two main pathways to a sense of lostness and what is required in both pathways the recovery from loss and the recovery from a life in which you feel like you're just being you know pushed about from one event to the next um, is to to find out to figure out even if it's just one minute a day you know one minute of solitude one minute when you can begin to connect to your body, connect to your heart, and begin to hear your own voice inside your head. You know, the voice, the voices that we want to hear are the voices that say, this is what I need, this is what I want, this is who I am. And often that those voices are quiet in comparison to the voices that are in our head that say something like, you should, you have to, you must, we demand. And so um, the, the benefit of mind, you had asked an earlier question about benefit. One of the great benefits of mindfulness is not only that we begin to hear our own true voices, we also, as we are doing so, soften the impact of those voices that truly are not ours. Wow, yep, yep, absolutely. So you just held a workshop a couple of days ago, um, which was called The Courage of the Authentic Life. Can you tell us more about that? So, you know, whenever we begin to study authenticity or begin to be in conversation about authenticity, one of the things that arises immediately is that is an awareness that we, we all want to be able to say that we are authentic or, or moving toward greater authenticity. Um, and we're all terrified. And it's that other side of the and that I need to address, or we all need to address, which is what are the barriers? You know, what, what gets in the way? And some of the barriers are other people's expectations, um, not having ever had authenticity really modeled for us, so not really knowing how to get more there, for example. Um, other barriers are fear, or fear of being a failure, fear of uh, being true to ourselves and being rejected, fear of the ones we loved, love not loving us if we become really who we are. So the, the journey of authenticity is 
inherently a journey of bravery because the risks are fairly high. And it, and it is absolutely true that if you become more true to who you are, you probably will impact your relationships and possibly some of those relationships won't survive. Now there's another side to that coin, which I hope we get to in a minute. So um, that fear and that reality makes it hard. And so we need to inculcate a greater sense of bravery and courage. And like with authenticity, the way to do that, you know, we sort of learn courage by being brave and we learn truthfulness by being more true. And the way to do that in a way that's palatable is to practice, you know, 3% more courage on a daily basis or 2% more authenticity. Um, In other words, the next time I'm in the grocery store and someone says, how are you doing? You know, can I actually answer honestly? Do I have to say I'm fine all the time? Or can I really take two minutes, speak a deeper level of truth, and then go on and buy my cereal? You know, that would be an example of 3% courageous conversation, which will bolster both courage and authenticity. Does that make sense where courage comes into the conversation? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I, I wonder, personally, like, I think in the workshops you held, you probably must have had people maybe talking about, you just said relationships change and the risks of this bravery. Um, could you think of a personal story or anything of how you kind of deal with that? Or, you know, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah sure. So, for example, in my own life, I was raised a Catholic, came from a very traditional European Catholic family, and um, at a very young age, really deeply believed that I was here to be a priest. And you can imagine what happened to me when I asked the nuns where the priest classes were, because I was certainly told that there was no way I was ever going to be a priest as a girl. And that was the beginning of a sort of disconnection for me between my spirit, my spirituality, and the Catholic Church. And I eventually left the church and in my early 30s found um, a deep and growing love for Judaism and eventually converted to Judaism. Now, along that journey of finding what a true spirituality was for me, I ran the risk of alienating myself from my friends who um, were Catholic and or um, for whatever reason, not, in, not, you know, not happy with Judaism, and certainly alienating myself from my lineage and my family of origin who were still practicing Catholics. And so it required a tremendous amount of courage for me be, to be able to say, you know, this is who I am. This is what nourishes me. And it's really not about how you feel about it. That's one of the most courageous awakenings we can have, um, Kristen, is that moment when we realize this is what I absolutely must have to feel as if I'm thriving in my own life and your response to it, though I hope it is positive and supportive, is almost nearly irrelevant because I have to have this and this is who I am. Now, the beauty of that kind of moment, I often call that a sort of crossroad moment, the beauty of that kind of crossroad moment is that it actually frees the other people who are present to you to become more true to themselves and and to have and it and it inspires them to be also courageous in their own lives i cannot tell you how many people in the years since my conversion have um come up to me and said that my story has given them permission 
to explore the same question themselves, not necessarily leaving Catholicism or Judaism and going to Judaism, but explore the question of what's true for them spiritually and to find the bravery to sort of land that in real time in their real life. What, that's one of also the great benefits of authenticity is that it begets authenticity. So the more I am true to myself, the easier it becomes for me to be true to myself and the more inspirational that is to those who witness that kind of living. Yes, yes. I'm glad you brought that up because it's, I think, I imagine, and I say I imagine because for me, from a personal point of view, um, I guess in, in some ways I was always a little bit of an oddball. So I never, I was always, I feel like I was always mostly true to myself. So I don't know what it's like to, you know, disconnect, conform completely and then kind of try to come back to that. But that's what I hear from other people who say that that's difficult. And I think one answer and as to how we can, you know, summon the courage is to think about the beautiful thing that we're going towards. It's not just ourselves, It's which is huge. Like, I think that would be a reason in itself, enough reason in itself to be authentic and live an authentic life, the relationship you have with yourself. But also thinking about, yes, some relationships um, might become more difficult. Um, some might even end. But ultimately, as you said, other people will relate to you in a different and more fulfilling way. Exactly. Now, have you found in your own experience that if you, as you identify whatever you mean by oddball, but as you identify with those beautiful quirks and eccentricities and particularities that are truly yours that that opens the door for you to meet people who can meet those particularities who who get them you know who who sing your song to use another metaphor absolutely absolutely yeah i um it's yeah i could maybe one or two years ago i had a conversation with um a friend of mine who studied with me and she said you know i'm so I'm so fed up with all the superficial conversation I have and, you know, people talking about the weather and the news and, and I crave, you know, real conversations. And I, I just thought to myself, wow, um, I, for me, it's the opposite. Like sometimes I actually enjoy when people talk to me about the weather because lots of them have, when I have lunch with someone, people, you know, frequently open their hearts, you know, to, to a certain degree that yeah. it's, yeah, they they totally come out the way you you talked about. So, mm -hmm. so you yeah, it, it completely changes everything. I think, but right. I I don't want to you know I don't want to pretend that it's all you know just easy and beautiful and you have beautiful conversations because as you said as well, it's difficult. And for example, at work, I I I mean I'm very open. Everybody knows it. Like just. Again, I got it in my evaluation. I'm not diplomatic about enough and but but you know I and everybody knows me for that. And mm -hmm. lots of people like that and you know sometimes people chat to me and say like oh thank god at least somebody's telling the truth, but you know the truth is I probably get a pay cut for this. You know, mm. I I probably get a pay cut for actually not sucking up to some people mm -hmm. management. Mm -hmm. Right. And as as you grow into deeper authenticity, there might be a time in your life where you decide, well, this is who I am. And another time in your life, you might decide, well, I need to manage this differently 
find a way to stay in integrity inside myself, but also I do need a raise or I do need, you know, a greater salary because of X, Y, and Z. And so those choice points are always available to us if we are aware of the fact that we have choice. See, authenticity is, it's not God-given, it's not something that is genetic, it's not something you're born with or not. Um, it's something that is that we can choose to shape over and over time. And and probably um, most people would benefit from spending a little time thinking about this conversation because many people spend their lives in a certain kind of pain that doesn't need to be there. The pain of, um, you know, following somebody else's formula. And as you beautifully said, once you realize that you have your own formula, it it, it opens the door for people to meet you who can meet that kind of formula, that kind of pathway. Converting to Judaism just opened the door to hundreds of people who are converted one way or the other in various fashions. It opened the door to people who are exploring the question. It opened the, people, the door to people who were Jewish. It opened the door to people who were living as Catholics but not necessarily happy with Catholicism and just wanted to explore what options there were. So we forget. We forget that that there are benefits that far outweigh the costs. You know, and one of those benefits is that it, as we become more authentic, we become closer and closer aligned with the people who really our are our tribe, our people. Yes, and the other thing is, it's it sounds so. It, it might sound banal, like it opened the door to some people who converted. It opened the door to some people who are unhappy with Catholicism. But something that I realized in my own life is that sometimes people don't have anybody else to talk to. And and actually if you if you are authentic and you you they relate to you in some way, um, either through you're their family or they you have you share their religion or whatever it is, but you are different in other ways and you dare to be different, you can you can really kind of relief quite a lot of suffering and I'm surprised at this you know do you know what I mean like how people can maybe I know that there's some people who can only talk to me about certain things in the entire world mm -hmm. and it's a responsibility it's 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 not just it's not just oh I become authentic for myself it's it's something that we do that that I mean I I didn't have any higher you know, intentions or anything. I was more surprised by it, like how how pleading some people are, like or or how relieved they are. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, you're pointing to something that's really, really, really important, and this is where you know that's why I started at the beginning and saying the basic definition of authenticity is to be true to oneself, and and that's true. But there's a deeper layer here, uh, which points to both the freedom of authenticity and the responsibility of it. So now what I'm going to say is uh, personal opinion, and it's in alignment with what you are speaking about, which is the following, that this journey in this lifetime is never just about us. It is always about us and us in relationship to the larger world. So, for example, it may be true for me that I have a uh, very quick, sharp, sarcastic sense of humor, which is true. I have a very quick wit, and it can be quite biting and sarcastic. And that's, that's authentic. 
And so I could legitimately say, well, if authenticity is healthy, and we'll get to benefits in a few moments, if authenticity is healthy for me, then I ought to give myself permission to be, to have my quick sarcastic wit. Fair enough. However, that doesn't take into account that I am in relationship with the world. I'm constantly in relationship with others. And it doesn't take into account the impact of that aspect of myself on them. So the highest form of authenticity is when we um, hold ourselves accountable for being true to ourselves, but do so in with awareness of and in relationship to what we are bringing to the larger world. Sometimes people can be confused that, that being more authentic gives them permission to um, be who they are in whatever they, way they feel like being on any one day. And you, you could take authenticity literally in that sense, but really at its highest, the practice of authenticity is the practice of staying honest with ourselves about who we are and what we value and, and where our um, integrity lies, and doing so from the perspective of are we bringing harm to the world or are we bringing healing to the world? Sometimes it's a different call, isn't it? Uh, di- sorry, different, difficult call, isn't it? Um, if you choose between saying the truth and um, being kind, that kind of thing? Exactly. It, it can be. I'm thinking of, um, you know, moments in a family where the truth is that a, a parent might be desperate to, you know, take time off for a few days to just, just get away. The stress has become too intense and they can't imagine another moment, you know, parenting a child or being in the relationship and yet the higher value of holding the family together and um, riding the wave of the difficult moment takes over. And even though what might feel true momentarily is the desire to run away, the higher truth is I do desire to run away and I don't want to cause harm to my family. So I'm going to figure out how to stay here now and take care of myself at the same time. So it can be a very difficult choice. I like to think about it sometimes in a way that um, that it's it's maybe also giving room for a different kind of authenticity. So for me, for example, to go back to the work thing, right? So so for me there, it's sometimes truths need to be said. And, you know, I feel that they're not being said enough. However, I do catch myself that you kind of get into a more you know, like, um, yeah, confrontational um, way of being than you naturally are. And then I have to remind myself that, yes, um, saying the truth is, is, you know, authentic and sometimes needed. But another part of me is very, you know, caring and loving. And maybe that part of my authenticity does not have enough room at work or in another context. So it's not necessarily choosing between being authentic or not, but choosing to give room to other parts of our being as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the, the image that I sometimes use in the courses I teach is the image of uh, a boardroom table. I'll have people draw the image of a table, like an oval or a rectangle, and, I, and I'll say, you know, name as many of your voices around the table as you can, and then notice how some of them are in conflict with another. And then that just gives us a choice to bring forward a different kind of authenticity, as you say, or a new kind of authenticity. 
Um, and here's again where mindfulness comes into play. If we can be mindful about what we are choosing, definitely in the big moments and hopefully also in the smaller moments, we become more and more practiced at understanding that authenticity, it's not a fixed point, it's not a plateau, it really is a journey, it really is a, the journey of experiencing and questioning and playing around with how can I be in this world in a way that is helpful and healthful and healing and be in my own life in a way that is helpful and healthful and healing. Right. So we talked about the necess- necessity of courage. Um, now I was wondering about other character strengths which are particularly helpful in relation to authenticity. Yeah, certainly integrity, you know, coming to know where, what is integral for oneself, what values one has, um, really spending time understanding that um, and even articulating it. Uh, self-compassion is huge because... You know, as soon as you start paying attention to authenticity, you recognize the moments where you're not telling the truth, you know? And it happens to me all the time. I teach this stuff. I study this stuff. I love this conversation. It's a huge part of my work and and my personal expression in the world. And, you know, not a week goes by that I don't find myself saying to somebody, oh, sure, yeah, happy to do that. And then I'm kicking myself because I'm not really happy to do that or... Um, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah, 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 I really like her. And, and you know, and then inside myself, I'm like, what are you saying? You, you can't stand that person. You know, so uh, one of the dilemmas of authenticity is the awareness that it is a constant journey. It's a constant journey. But, but you know, it's a journey worth taking because of the benefits. Oh, you know what? This would be a good time to talk about the benefits. Um, so here's what we know from the research, that those of us who practice authenticity and who explore it, uh, become happier with ourselves, self-esteem rises, as does a sense of competency in the world, because one of the great meta-benefits of authenticity is the more you live a life in which your values are aligned with your behaviors the, and, and how you think and feel, the more competent you feel in the world, the more confidence grows, the more risk we can take, the more uh, playfulness we can bring to the world. So our sense of efficacy in the world goes up. Um, generally, we are happier and we are healthier. And by health, I mean both physical and psychological well-being. And then the other benefit that I mentioned earlier is that it has a contagion effect. So if I'm in a family system or in a work environment where I'm practicing an authenticity that is, um, you know, bringing my highest, truest self to bear there's a very good likelihood that that will inspire others also. Yes, yes. So if a listener decides that this all sounds really good, but um, they want to do more to learn more about authenticity and their own being, what is the first step that they can take? Or the the first thing they can do right now, basically? Yeah. Well, the first step is to really um, get quiet and establish some sort of daily habit, even literally, even if it's three minutes a day, of checking in with, with oneself. You know, what am I really thinking? What am I really feeling? What do I really believe? The two questions I like to ask people who are in difficult moments, stressful moments, um, are to invite them to every day check in, what do I need and what do I want? You know, given this situation, what do I really need and what do I really want? 
Another wonderful practice would be to um, take a few minutes every day and journal, looking back on moments when you were true to yourself that day and sort of hold on and savor the experience. You know, go back, remember the moment. How did it feel? How did it feel in your body? What happened? What good emerged from that moment? So that we can begin to gather a sort of um, necklace of moments that support greater and greater uh, authentic living. Um, So to spend a few moments journaling, you know, when was I true to myself today? And what was that like? And what what gained? And what grew? And, you know, how how did my sense of strength in myself grow? And so begin to really put lanes around the benefits of being true to yourself. Because um, a mistake that we make, Kristen, is sometimes we spend so much time worrying about the cost of authenticity that we forget to look at the benefits. So that's a, that's an exercise, a lovely exercise that's relatively easy to do as well. Great. Thank you very much. You're welcome. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Maria Sirua. I certainly did, and I got quite excited, and I think I stumbled over my words even more than usual. Now it's your turn. I want to know about your journey of authenticity and was it something that was always important in your life or is it something that you had to rediscover? Do you feel that you are in touch with yourself, with your emotions, or is it something that you find challenging? Is it easy for you to be by yourself or not so much? Anyhow, let me know and I would love to hear from you. Bye-bye. If you enjoyed this episode, you can help us out by sharing it with your network and leaving a rating and review on iTunes or Stitcher. We would love to hear from you at kristen at strengthphoenix.com. For show notes and more, head over to www.strengthphoenix.com. Thanks for listening to the Positive Psychology Podcast. We're saying goodbye with Happy Yogurt.